Welcome to season four of the Today is a Good Day podcast, a podcast to bring you a new point of support as you navigate your NICU journey. This season, you will hear even more personal stories from families who have been where you are today. Some of the stories you will hear will provide you with important advice from medical professionals like case managers and high-risk OBGYNs. You will also hear advice about opportunities you can take to focus on self-care and more. Please don't forget to subscribe to the Today is a Good Day podcast wherever you enjoy your podcast or share this episode with anyone who might find it helpful. Hearing about the NICU and becoming a NICU parent can be far from what you expect it to be. Advocating for your baby and learning how to navigate the ups and downs is important. Today's guest knows this unique journey firsthand with her 26-weeker. Camille, welcome to the Today is a Good Day podcast. Really great to have you here. Thank you for having me. It's definitely a privilege being here. Today is a Good Day has been a staple in my NICU journey When I started the NICU, I immediately got care packages from Today's a Good Day, and it helped me tremendously. So it's my pleasure to be here. That means so much. Thank you. Camille, tell us about your story. So my story is pretty, I think it was pretty normal. We started, my husband and I, we were married for four years, and we decided that, hey, we needed to start a family. Um, We tried for a few months It was a little bit discouraging every time we took a pregnancy test and it wasn't positive, but we kept going because we knew that, hey, we really wanted to have kids. And May 2021, I actually did a pregnancy test and it came positive. I was very excited. I sent my husband a picture right away. I couldn't wait. I wanted to do a cute surprise, but I just couldn't wait. He was excited as well. When he came home, we were like, we just couldn't contain ourselves. At the beginning of my pregnancy, it was a little bit rough. I had really, my morning sickness was very, very rough. At one point, I was actually in the hospital because I had to be on drips because I couldn't keep anything down. This lasted for the first two to three months of my pregnancy. The moment my pregnancy started to get smooth, the moment everything felt like, okay, I'm going to ride this out and it's going to be a great pregnancy. I decided I wanted to switch my care team from the care team that I had to the one that I actually would deliver the baby. So I actually just went in for routine ultrasound. When I went in for my ultrasound, the technician, he said to me, are you okay? I'm like, yes, I'm fine. At this point, I thought everything was okay. I'm not expecting to hear that, hey, you're three centimeters dilated. He said, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. He's like, well, you're very dilated. I'm not saying that you're having the baby today, but you're going to the hospital. At this point, I I started to panic. I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? It was good because I was actually right across the street from where I would deliver the baby a few days later. And we actually just went over to the hospital. They did their routine checks. We, I got steroids just to make sure the baby lungs were okay. And they sent me home. They're like, you haven't progressed. You're three centimeters. You're just, at that point, I was 25 weeks. That's what I was going to ask you. How far along were you then? I was just 25 weeks. I think I was 25 weeks in like three days at this point. And in my mind, I'm like, I cannot have this baby at 25 weeks. And they're like, okay, so you're 25 weeks. You haven't progressed. You've been here for two days. You're still three centimeters. We trust that if you go home, 
and something changes, you will come back. I was like, okay, I was a little bit skeptic, but I went home. I went home and as the day progressed, I felt like everything kept running through my mind. I'm like, okay, what if I go in labor? What if this happens? So I actually felt like contractions and I went back to the hospital the following day. When I went back to the hospital, they're like, no, you're fine. They're like, we're not seeing anything on the monitor. Just go home and just monitor yourself. That evening, which was a Saturday, at this point, I was 26 weeks because I became 26 weeks on that Thursday. The Monday was when I was first sent over to the hospital. Saturday of that week, when I went back to the hospital, they're like, okay, we're not seeing that you're in labor, but you change. I can tell that you have some discomfort and you never had this before. So we're going to trust that you're in labor and we're going to keep you. If you have the baby overnight, we have a NICU team. We'll send them up and talk to you. If you don't have the baby overnight, great. We'll try to keep this baby as long as possible mm -hmm. inside. So that Saturday, the NICU team came up and it was a lot because they told me what to expect having baby this early. She was 26 weeks. They started from head to toe. They're like, developmentally, this is what will happen from head to toe. This is what to expect and expect her to come home around her due date. Can I ask you how, well, I have all kinds of questions. I sure. want to ask you, Camille, but there's a couple of things that stick out to me in, in listening to you share your story. One, knowing how your body was feeling and changing and how important it is to say, you know what, I'm going back into the hospital. Yes. Right. Yes, it was because they could not see that I had contractions going on, but I felt it. This is nothing that I've, I've never felt this before. So I knew something was off. I couldn't sit. I couldn't stand. I couldn't lay down. And my husband being on the other end, he's like, something is up. And they're like, okay, we're going to trust you that you're in labor. The thing is, they didn't want to do an examination because if they did, they could actually progress the labor faster than what it was going. So they're like, okay, we're trusting your instinct. We're trusting you you know, and that's one of the things that I appreciated from the get-go with the care team that I had, where they trusted me to know that if she tells you that she's in labor, she's in labor. Mm -hmm. Can we also step back even further when you were talking about being so sick early on in your pregnancy? I mean, that's something that we don't talk about as often, right? Yes, sometimes. People are sick a little bit. You kind of get nauseous. There's things that you don't want to eat. But you getting to a point where you had to be hospitalized to get fluids. How did you know it was time to go to the hospital? Was it your doctor's appointment? Was it something you felt? It, it, it was definitely something I felt because it, when I went to my appointments, they were regular, far and in between, like it would early on in the pregnancy. And there was this particular day when I was at work and I just felt like really nauseous it felt like I've been nauseous the whole pregnancy thus far but it felt different it felt like I was about to pass out and mm -hmm. I'm like no something is wrong and at that point I spoke to my manager I'm like listen this is how I f feel and I think I need to go to the hospital so I actually drove myself to the hospital that day oh my goodness and <laughs> I know it it, it, it 
it was it was like 15 minutes there about I drove myself to the hospital and when I got to the hospital they're like yeah you're dehydrated they're mm -hmm. like we definitely need to get you some fluids I stayed there that night and the following day I actually had a follow-up with my doctor just to make sure that everything was running its course but at that time she had to give me medication so my morning sickness was so severe that I had to take medication in the morning just to make sure when I get up to start my day, it will give me that ease, that break to make sure that I could actually do something for a couple hours. It helped a little bit, but I still had severe morning sickness to the point where my job had to make accommodation for me saying that, hey, if you don't feel well enough to come into work today, it's okay. You can stay home. Mm -hmm. And good to ask. I mean, the medication that you were put on, if you're feeling that sick, you know, call the doctor, right? Talk yes. to your provider about it to Definitely. see what I, to see what it is, to mm -hmm. see how you can be helped. Because it's good to know that I had options. It's good to know that I had something to ease. I would say ease the the, the pressure of morning sickness because. It felt more of, it felt like pressure because I was so nauseous, but I never had anything to bring up. Mm -hmm. So it felt as if there was pressure on the lining of my stomach walls. Like there's nothing to come up, but it felt like yes. I needed to bring something up. Yeah. So it's good to know that my providers actually jumped on board right away mm -hmm. and just gave me something to ease that pressure that I was going through early on in my pregnancy. But again, comes back to how your body was feeling and you being aware of what was going yes. on that you said, oh, something just something does not feel right. And, and and I think it's very important to be in one if you're in sync with your body to know. And as moms, as women, as ladies, we know that, listen, something is off mm -hmm. and we just Whenever you feel like something enough, it's better you check and it's nothing than you don't and it's something. I it's, it's taking me back nearly 12 years, November of 2010, when I had the exact same feeling at work. Something didn't feel right. And I also drove myself to the hospital. <laughs> but it, it is. It's something you feel that you go, something just doesn't something seem doesn't, right. And yes. always good to go and get that checked out. Now I'm going to jump forward a little bit because you were talking about being admitted into the hospital. And I remember as well, and I know you, we have shared our stories together. I know I remember the two-hour consult was two of the most difficult. Oh, do you hear that sweet voice in the background? Yes, I do. That is Camille Sweet Miracle, who's here with us today as well. She just wants to be a part of the podcast. She does. She does. That's right. Uh, but when we when we talk about that consult, I know for us it was two of the most difficult hours of our lives. And how did you get through it? I got through it. It, it was very challenging, That those two hours. For me, it felt like more because... I was alone. My support system was actually not there as yet because my husband was at work. So I had to sit through all these information being thrown at me. Okay, this is what to expect. If you go into labor prematurely, the baby might be small. We may have to do a C-section and this is the way we have to perform it. You may not be able to have kids again. That was a trigger for me because I want to have several kids. So to hear... My first pregnancy, mm -hmm. you're, you may deliver prematurely. You may not be able to have more kids. That was a lot. So I actually prayed through it. I'm like, okay, 
God, this is what you said, and I'm standing on your word, and this is what I expect to happen. Now, there's just so much and no more that prayer can get you through. So I did cry a lot mm -hmm. as well. But the moment my husband got there, I felt that I felt that peace because I know that I was no longer alone. And I felt as if, okay, we can do this. And whatever the outcome is, I know and I trust that it will be a good one. Did you know anything about the NICU? I actually did, but knowing about the NICU and being a NICU parent is two different things. I have several NICU kids in my family. The oldest is 30-something years old today. So I have members of my family that has been in the NICU or have NICU babies. So I knew something of the sort. I knew what the NICU was. I know that when baby goes to the NICU, it could be an extended time frame, but that's it. I did not know that when they say the NICU is a roller coaster, it is a roller mm -hmm. coaster. So being a NICU parent, when our first day in the NICU, it was a lot of beeping sounds. It was dark. It was, okay, what's going on? My baby was in the isolate. She was covered under a thick blanket. They were like, okay, mom, this is what we're doing. They did a great job at explaining what to expect, what we're doing, why she covered, why is the NICU so hot. But at the end of the day, whenever you walk in the NICU, you deliver prematurely and you realize that your child will be in the NICU for an extended stay. You just have to know that, listen, one day at a time, and this is something I never knew. This is something I had to learn along the way. I always heard the saying one day at a time, but the NICU brought it to the fore. Like it changed my perspective on a lot of stuff on that saying one day at a time. That's so true. It's it, so true. It, it is. Did you make connections during your NICU stay? Did you meet others? I definitely did. And I have to touch on today's a good day once more. My first day in the NICU, I got my Today's a Good Day care package. And in the care package, we had journals. I had bonding squares. And I also had those cards that says Today's a Good Day. And it, it, we had a space on the card that says it gave you the option to write why today is a good day. And I remember my first card and I wrote, today's a good day because my baby's breathing 21% oxygen. And that was her very first day in the NICU. Now, picture this. I just delivered like four or five hours ago. I went to the NICU. I got this care package. And in that moment, I received this care package saying, today's a good day. So that's how my NICU journey started. It started by reminding me that, listen, today is a good day. She's here. She's breathing. And she's breathing 21% oxygen, which is room air. So whatever comes along this journey, it's, it will be a long one. But the beginning started as a good day. Oh, you make me tear up when you talk, Camille. It always brings tears to my eyes. Oh, my goodness. I think you bring up such a good point about those milestone cards. And they are blank for a reason. Yes. Right? Yes, they are. All of us have good moments, good days. Small milestones, big milestones, all worth celebrating. But it's incredible to hear how that really changed your perspective with your NICU journey. It did. It did. And I think it's important to those milestone cards are 
it's important because at the end of the day, as you say, it's a good day. It might be something very small. It's small to you. It's small to someone else, but it's huge to you. Mm-hmm. So whether it be the first day you get to hold your baby or whether it be the first day your baby held your hand or the first day your baby smiled, it's a good day. Yep. And it deserves to be celebrated. And those cards, it gives you the opportunity to write it down so that you can have it. It's a keepsake. I still have mine. I dated mine. So I can tell you exactly the day that I wrote this on this milestone card and exactly the day that she did good or what she did on that particular day. So talk to us about going into the NICU. How did you become a part of the care team who was taking care of your sweet girl? When, when I started my NICU journey, it, it felt like I needed to be there 24-7. I never, I trusted my care team with every inch of me. However, I wanted to be there for my baby. I know that I needed to be there for her. At the end of the day, being a part of our care team, it came easy because the nurses and the doctors, they tell you, okay, mom, if you feel like you need to take her temperature, just let us know. If you feel like you need to change her diaper, just let us know. And it became such a norm that whenever I went, they're like, okay, mom, go ahead and start. Go ahead and do this. Go ahead and do that. And I felt at home. It felt like a trying time. Every day wasn't smooth. Every day wasn't easy. But my care team made me feel like, okay, Mom, this is your baby. You are in charge. If you want to go ahead and change your diaper, you can do it. If you feel like you don't want to do it today, because some days weren't easy. Some days I had so much emotion. Some days the water felt like it was rising. And they would give me, okay, you can step back and we'll do it today for you. And I really appreciated that. So being a part of my care team was very important to me. And my care team that I had, the nurses, the doctors, my social worker, they let me know, okay, go ahead. You need to advocate for your baby every chance you get. Well, I I did want to ask you with with the difficult moments or days when I love how you refer to it as kind of the water rising, right? That you're, you're having trouble kind of staying afloat. What helped you through those days? What did you do? Those days I journaled. I journaled a lot. I, I wrote what was happening. So my baby, she had her NICU stay was 103 days. Those were 103 long days. So I journaled every single day, good and bad. And the days that were hard, I journaled with tears in my eyes. And I'm pretty sure those pages of the book is wet. However, though it gave me the opportunity to see where we're coming from, what she did last week, what she did yesterday versus what she's doing today. So it's okay that she needs a blood transfusion today because yesterday she did so great. It's okay that today she felt like she didn't want to breathe on her own because last week she was breathing 21% oxygen. So What got me through my bad days were the fact that I journaled a lot and then I had a good support system. My family, my friends, they reached out every day. They asked me, what can what can I do for you? Is there anything that I can do now for me? It was challenging because my NICU stay was between Thanksgiving and Christmas, two major holidays that I look forward to every year now. It's so funny that my baby got severely sick on 
each of these specific holidays so on thanksgiving i had a whole photo shoot lined up for her she's like no we're not doing this today mom i don't feel well and i just called my family and i just spoke to them and i receive another today's a good day um thanksgiving package and my family she was like my cousin she was like do you want some meal today? Can I cook for you? I'm like, no, I'm actually okay because I actually received something. But support system is very important. Community, it, it is critical in the NICU because you're to know that you're not alone, to know that you're not doing this by yourself. And it's all fun and game when you have your partner, but to have someone on the outside say, can I go by your house? Can I do laundry for you? Can I clean up for you? Because... I spent most of my time in the NICU. So, of course, my house wasn't getting cleaned as I would or stuff wasn't getting done as I would have. However, to have someone go home and do it for me and when I come home, I have a clean home, that really meant a lot. So that actually helped those bad days. That is one of the questions I wanted to ask you. What helped the most from family and friends and that important support network that you had? What helped the most is just them reaching out. And even when I said no, because it wasn't easy to ask for help. As a bit of my NICU journey, I never wanted to ask for help. Whenever they asked if I needed something, I kept saying that I was okay even when I wasn't. So... This is something that I learned along my journey that it's important to ask and it's important to be specific at what you wanted help with. So when my baby came, she came prematurely. I never had clothes for her. I never had anything. I, I wasn't prepared. And I had family members that went out and they bought stuff and then they make sure that they actually did the laundry with it. And that really helped. And when I look back at what they did, I'm like, okay. I never asked. I was afraid to ask. And they did. Mm -hmm. So going forward, when I saw that they did this without me asking, whenever they asked, hey, is there anything I could help with? I always say yes. No matter how small it is, I ask. I say, okay, can you do this or can you do that? And they were quick to say yes. I'll get it done for you. And that really helped. And community is its such a big thing. Like, I can't stress this enough. Like, having a good community and it does not have to be direct family or friends it could be someone that you meet in the NICU mm -hmm. when I started my NICU journey you know everyone in the NICU their babies at different stages they're going through different things and I just felt like I wanted a mom to say hey my name is such and such and I've been in the NICU for you know you can always talk to me and I never felt that. I never got that. So I made it my absolute point of duty to make sure that every mom that came in the same space that my baby and I was, I introduced myself. I said, hey, my name is Camille and this is my baby Izzy and I'm here. We've been here for such and such days. I let them know that I'm not just saying that I'm here, but I'm letting you know we're here for such and such days. And if you need anything at all, you can always talk. And we created such a bond. All those moms that was in that, that square with us, we created such a bond just by me introducing myself to them. And I think it's very important. If you get the chance, if you're in the NICU and you get the chance, just speak to a mom. You may never know. You may never know. I also remember one day there was this mom. She just delivered, I could tell, because she was barely walking. She was in a wheelchair. And 
her baby was being discharged. She, her NICU stay was very, it wasn't a long stay. And she was in a different pod. And she got out of her chair and she walked over and she said, don't be worried, your daughter is going to be home soon. And that really meant a lot to me because it was a really, really rough day. And I'm like, how did she know? But you just get that gut feeling that, listen, support, mm -hmm. support, just support another mom. Those friendships, I'm smiling over here, Camille, because I, good for you for introducing yourself to so many other families, because I think people in the NICU, and we, we talk about this actually on a lot of other Today is a Good Day podcast episodes, as you know, as yes. a listener, <laughs> but that importance of friendship in the NICU we have a friend, they also lost one of their daughters. We are friends for life. Our paths never would have crossed any other way except that we were in the NICU together and we're in the same pod area together. Our girls graduated a day apart. I don't know what we would have done without them during our NICU stay. It's 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 important that, as you say, it's friendship for life. For life. For life. There's mm -hmm. no other way. Yeah. So good for you for introducing yourself. That's really, that's really incredible. I did want to talk a little bit about your journey in the NICU. Do you remember some moments where you really advocated for Izzy and, and worked to help her to be the best that she could be? Definitely. I think one of my biggest role in Izzy's life in the NICU was her advocate. Mom was first, but advocate was right next to it. I remember when I started my journey and the social worker came and she's like, you're your baby's biggest advocate. Of course, I heard the same, but I'm like, mm. I didn't think much of it until we were in the NICU and Izzy had um, severe distension of her belly. Her belly kept getting distended over and over again, and we couldn't figure out what it was. Now, every time her belly got distended, the nurses or the doctors, they weren't pretty concerned because they're like, you know, it's something that happens in premature baby. And she was sad and right. She had, everything was good. She had good ball sound. Everything was good when they did their checks and balances. But I'm like, no, something is off. And I had to advocate for her. I had to advocate, okay, no, I'm here every day. I'm the only thing that's constant with Izzy. Nurses change shift, doctors change shift, but I'm here for both of those shifts. I'm the only thing that's constant. So I had to advocate. I'm like, okay, I've been sitting here for a while and I can tell that things are dropping. I can tell that she's in discomfort. I can tell that her belly is a little bit more distended than it was yesterday. We need to check this out. And... It was mind-boggling that every time I thought something was wrong and every time that I advocated to get her checked out, I was correct mm. every single time. And it helped because in that moment of me advocating to make sure that, okay, her belly's just not a normal preemie belly, something is wrong, and they checked out, it was either that she had severe distension and they had to make her NPO or they did a CVC and something was wrong with her blood count. It was always every time I checked, she had blood transfusion. So it was just so much. And I learned that, okay, when the social worker told you to advocate in the beginning, this was not just 
her just saying it because she can. This was you advocated. So the moment I started to advocate for Izzy, I made sure that I advocated until we left the NICU. I had family meetings. I sat down with the doctors, the nutritionists. I sat down with the social worker, the behavioral specialist. And we spoke about her course. We spoke about what's happening. We spoke about what to expect if she comes home. How is she doing? We spoke about everything. And I advocated. I remember I advocated so much that when one of the behavioral specialists, she wrote what Izzy was doing, how she behaved, how she was doing at her gestational age. And there were numbers that I didn't understand. Now I'm a numbers person. So numbers never gets me confused prior to this. And I'm like, no, something is off. And she came and she sat with me the following day and she went through it. It was very simple. But in that moment of me needing her to explain everything, when I recently met with her, she's like, ever since that day in the NICU, I made sure I leave my number and my email on every paper so every mom can have an opportunity to reach out to me because of what you did. Mm -hmm. So advocating is very important. So important. Now you spent 103 days in the NICU, same as us, Camille. We were there too. 103 days, 103 days in the NICU. How was the transition home? How did you feel walking out? Transitioning home, it it was hard. It was bittersweet. When Izzy actually had to transfer hospital, she did a course in one hospital and then she spent a month in the other hospital. So transitioning home, I had to advocate for that as well. She was not doing the amount of milk that they wanted her to do, the amount of ouncing that they wanted her to do. She was only doing like 35% and they wanted her to do the whole at least 75%. So going home was me saying, okay, I learned how to put the NG tube in. Mm-hmm. I learned how to feed her with an NG tube. She also had a severe constipation issue. So I had to learn how to help her at home as well. So when we heard that we were going home, we had to learn all these stuff before we got a chance to go home. The day we got home, I could not sleep. I'm pretty sure it's the same with other NICU moms or other NICU families. I could not sleep because there were no more nurses. There were Mm -hmm. no more doctors. There was no one else to say, hey. So it's funny because I got home and I heard beeping sounds. Things were beeping left, right, and center. and There was nothing in my house to beep. But it was really, really difficult. Not in the sense that I wasn't happy that she was home because it gave me that sense of relief. But I think I slept less her being home versus her being in the hospital because I kept watching and waiting and watching and waiting. But I must say this. And I remember one of my doctors in the NICU, he told me this. He's like, we will never send your baby home unless she's ready to be home. But of course, as a mom, you don't hear that. It goes through one ears and comes through the other. So it, it ran its course. She did well. She she did well at home. She did well in the first couple of months. Her pediatrician took the NG tube out. In the next couple of weeks, she got rid of what she needed to go. And 
she's been doing great since. Oh, that's wonderful. I will tell you, though, I hate to break it to you. Even nearly 12 years later, I still go in and make sure that Claire's breathing. <laughs> <laughs> I go in, make sure I'm going, this child has made it. Even and our full-term daughter, Martha Rose, sometimes I just go in there. So even this many years later, just just to let you know. <laughs> See, it's, it's, it's like that because right now, Izzy, she has... She has a monitor on her leg mm-hmm. that she uses for us to see what her stats is like. And I keep saying, oh, she's going out the size of the tape. And I'm like, mm, I need to take it off. And every night I sleep without it one night and the next night I'm like, nope, I'm putting it back on. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It is a hard transition. It is a hard. I remember that with with having the monitor. Claire came home on an apnea monitor. Yes. And we did take it off. The doctor said she's free and clear. She had two months of free scans. And, you know. Uh, we'll never forget it. My mother will never forget it because we took that monitor off. We It was on Paul's birthday. He and I were going out to get dinner. We took it off, looked at my mom and said, hey, we'll see you in a little bit. And she goes, what do you mean? You're leaving me here with Claire with no monitor on? We said, have faith, mom, have faith. She's made it this far. Uh, so now Izzy's almost a year old. Yes. How's she doing? She's doing amazing. She is doing everything that I could ask for her to do. She started with PT. She recently graduated from oh, PT. Oh, congrats. So she's meeting her milestone. Thank you. She's meeting her milestone. She is just getting everything. She is 10 months. She's about to be 11. She is doing everything. She's getting up on her force. She's trying to crawl around. She is bobbling. She's holding stuff. When she started PT, she really had a hard time with her hands. Like she, her limbs, they weren't moving as they should, cold and cold. Mm -hmm. But then PT really did a great job. And at 10 months old, she graduated PT. So I am really, really proud of her. She's hitting all those milestones. All right. We've talked about a lot. Yes, we have. What's your biggest piece of advice for other NICU families? Hmm. I must lead with advocate. 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 You you can never go wrong. If you feel it, it it sums up everything that we talked about. If you feel it in your gut that something is wrong, speak up. Ask questions and ask them again. Mm-hmm. Write them down and ask them again. And journaling. Journaling is very important because at the end of the day, you will have this for a lifetime. And you can share this with your miracle whenever they leave the NICU. And on this day, you did this and look at you now. So advocate, ask questions, and journal. Wonderful. Camille, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you to our podcast sponsor, Life Celebration by Givnish. 